ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. Nightlife. News breakdown. Well, rats in the ranks, or at least in a parliamentary chamber. The head of ASIO, the ASIO chief, Mike Burgess, under the law, the only ASIO officer you can name, used his annual threat assessment speech last night to reveal that a foreign spy service had recruited a former Australian politician who, quote, to use his words, sold out their country, party and former colleagues. This is some of what he had to say. This politician sold out their country, party, former colleagues to advance the interests of a foreign regime. At one point, the former politician even proposed bringing a Prime Minister's family member into the spy's orbit. Fortunately, that plot did not go ahead, but others did. Well, I mean, Canberra's in a frenzy, It's, I think it is fair to say. The question on everyone's lips, who is this person and what consequences might they face for their actions. The former Treasurer and Ambassador Joe Hockey has been vocal about the revelation. He's calling on ASIO to name the former Australian politician involved and says not naming the individual affects the reputation of everyone in public life. Our closest allies in in what's known as the Five Eyes will be appalled at this. It is dynamite to the sharing of intelligence and it potentially has a, a huge impact on the reputation of Australian members of parliament. Well, the opposition was in uh, furious agreement, saying that any politician who'd been recruited by a foreign spy ring should be outed and shamed. And like Joe Hockey says that not identifying the politician besmirches all former MPs. If you're putting that detail out there, as uh, Mr Burgess has done, uh, then I think it's incumbent to... Um, to either give a little bit more criteria or a little bit more of a hint as to who the person might be because I I think it is unfair on uh, a lot of former MPs. Well, joining us for Nightlife News Breakdown is uh, the the News Corp's National Political Editor, Claire Armstrong. Claire, good evening. Welcome to Nightlife. Good evening. Thanks well, for having me. Uh, yes, well, I mean, uh, Canberra's in a frenzy, I imagine. <laughs> I mean, within the law, given the laws of defamation, of course, we really can't canvass names. And, uh, and uh, in fact, the only way th- this ever might come out, I guess, is, is through Parliament. But there are a lot of coalition voices calling for naming and shaming, aren't there? And I bet you, uh, you can tell us without giving us the names, I bet you there are... There are names that are floating around Canberra uh, at a furious rate. Yeah, it's been a veritable whodunit exercise <laughs> all day in Parliament with running around comparing notes. Uh, I think it, the closest anyone got to putting forward a theory was we just heard their opposition Peter Dutton. He very conveniently, I might suggested that it might be a New South Wales Labor former MP, Mm. um, which would obviously be very politically expedient for him. Uh, But there were a few uh, past Labor politicians that got the call up from journalists today because past dealings with uh, foreign nationals and they've had to come on the record and say, well, as far as I'm aware, it's it's definitely not me and and this first I'm hearing of it, that was... uh, New South Wales Labor Senator Sam Dastyari, he absolutely brought himself out. Um, the member of the uh, the upper house in a former member of the upper house in New South Wales. But yes, as you say, the issue is of course uh, of ASIO handing over a dossier or evidence. Um, the bar for defamation is so high that the only 
way this name will ever enter the public domain is if a current politician walks into the floor of either the House or the Senate and under parliamentary privilege accuses the you know alleged traitor. Mm. Well, presumably there would be people uh, in Parliament who do know the name, wouldn't there, because they would have served on the Parliamentary uh, Joint Intelligence Committee and they would know the name, I presume. Absolutely. There are a few people who were being quite tight-lipped, basically saying that the reason they couldn't really talk about it was because of the various secrecy provisions that they're, they're, mm. uh, they've signed on to, that that's how they know this. Um, it, it is interesting, you know, obviously the whodunit is, is the thrilling part, but the reason the ASIO boss did come and talk about this, he was trying to expose this practice of a very sophisticated network of spies poaching, yes, politicians, but academics, business people, people working in the public service, uh, you know, it's often tricking them into thinking they were very legitimately consulting or providing academic information, but obviously it was being funneled to a foreign actor. So uh, it's got everyone talking, and at least I suppose that was somewhat of ASIO's intention. Yeah, you wonder, I must say, you do wonder why, why he did it in this way. I mean, Mike Burgess is no fool. He presumably knew the cat that he was unleashing amongst the pigeons. Uh, the Treasurer, Jim Chalmers, uh, is supporting him, though, saying that he respects ASIO Chief Mike Burgess's decision and, quote, I don't intend to second-guess it. The Defence Minister, Richard Miles, who says he doesn't know the name, uh, says he agrees also with Mr Burgess's judgment on the matter. I think there's a whole range of reasons why um, individuals would not be named and, and that detail is not out there. So uh, I respect the decision that ASIO have made in, in, in relation to this. What, uh, what I think is important here is to understand that for those of us who are involved in public administration, and that's politicians but not just politicians, um, there is a threat of foreign interference out there. Yeah. There's a kind of wider issue, though, here, isn't there, Claire, that, I mean... You know, people who are members of this polity of the country, citizens, surely they're entitled to know who sold out their country, aren't they? Well, this is the issue. And, and Mike Burgess said, well, look, sorry, guys, the foreign interference laws of 2018 were not retrospective. All of this happened before then. There was nothing they could Mm. But uh, recently, you know, as as the, the issues progressed, even today, we had um, Green Senator David Shoebridge point out, well, you know what, we've had espionage laws in this country for over a century, and maybe we couldn't have got this ex poly on the fancy new foreign interference laws, but surely there was some legal avenue, because as you say, uh, uh, this person has been accused of a pretty serious crime and just because there wasn't a specific law that went to that at the time that they did, for all we know, they've benefited monetarily. We don't know what things that were compromised, how serious it is for our, as you know, Joe Hockey says, is our relations with our allies. And, and I think it just really doesn't pass the pub test, you know. No. Burgess says this person is a... Uh, active anymore, they're not a threat, but I think everyone would feel a bit miffed if the cops didn't go after someone who robbed a bank last week because they're, you know, not doing it anymore. I just don't think that that really holds. No, neither do I. I must say I find it all very odd and I'm not 
I mean, ASIO are clearly doing this for a reason. I know they're telegraphing it to the foreign power, but at the same time, given Canberra and its <laughs> its its frenzied nature, Claire, do you think it'll be long before the name comes out? It felt like if it was going to happen, it might happen quite quickly today, you know, yeah. in Parliament, uh, and perhaps over time cooler heads might prevail. But you never know. We have, obviously, inquiries and Senate committees and Burgess is often called to present at those public and privately appearances. And you'd think it's only really a matter of time at this point, um, unless it becomes, of course, an issue of lawyers mm. at 20 paces. Yep. All right. Uh, look, moving on, there was uh, the Dunkley by-election, of course, which I want to talk to you about in a moment, is on this weekend. The coalition, for a, a period of some hours, thought that they'd been gifted a marvellous thing to run on. Indeed, were texting out on the matter because Victoria Police had announced that they had arrested uh, a 43-year-old man who they said uh, was one of those arrested after last year's landmark High Court ruling on indefinite immigration detention had been released and had now been arrested and charged with sex offences in Melbourne. Well, you can imagine the hay that was being made on this. However, one problem, the Victoria Police had got it wrong, hadn't they? Yeah, a case, as you said, of mistaken identity um, at the worst possible time for all of those coalition MPs who were already tweeting and posting and texting their hearts out, accusing Labor of, again, dropping the ball on national security on the eve of a by-election. Um, but it's it's really uh, it was a shock kind of backflip from the Victoria Police quite late this evening. And I think that there will be some serious inquiry into how this happened. The police have obviously apologised. The charges have been withdrawn. They're saying that, as we now well know, a lot of the people ZYQ affected cohort, as they're sort of becoming known, have ankle bracelets on them. This person um, that was wrongly accused, obviously, through their ankle monitor, was tracked to the area and uh, through just a small bit of CCTV, arrested, charged, and it wasn't until the cops got a broader amount of CCTV that they realised that the wrong person. But um, you have to wonder about the prejudices that went to some of that decision-making leading up to the charges being laid against the wrong person. Indeed. I mean, you might raise two words and say racial profiling going on here. Yeah. Well, when you base it on an image, there's not much else to look at, is there? Mm. Exactly. Speaking of Dunkley, by the way, uh, how is it going? It's interesting. And both sides are preparing rationalisations for what happens. It's a 6% margin. Governments never do well in by-elections. Uh, some commentators have said, you know, it's important for Mr. Mr. Uh, uh, Mr. Dutton to win here. And the government don't want to lose it, obviously. Of course, given their, their, their slender majority. Uh, how do you think it's running? Honestly, in the last few days, it has felt like this pendulum going from one end to the other. The Libs thought they were ahead at the start of the week. They're more cautious in the middle. They're a little bit more optimistic now and vice versa with Labor. I suspect we are in for maybe a 3 4% uh, swing away from Labor toward Dutton. There's obviously uh, anger in the community about cost of living issues. Dunkley, um, this outer suburban area of Melbourne, is uh, 
a lot of mortgages, it's a lot of young families, people that have been doing it tough for quite a while, so there might be some protest vote there, but also the government hasn't, you know, completely done a terrible job in the eyes of many voters, so there's not a huge momentum to go toward the Liberals. So I suspect we could find ourselves on the weekend with the margin cut in half and Dutton calling that a massive win for the coalition will get there next time and Albanese calling it a massive win for because they held the seat. <laughs> mm, exactly. We shall see. Of course, it's on Saturday this week. All right, look, just uh, in Parliament today, Claire, Claire Armstrong's our, our guest tonight, News Corp's national political editor, is leading the news breakdown tonight. Claire, um, a foreign leader actually addressed the parliament today, the uh, the president of the Philippines, a name that carries a lot of dark echoes for a lot of people, of course, uh, President Ferdinand Marcos. Uh, yes, he's a direct relative of, of that Marcos, but uh, Bong Bong, as he's known in uh, the Philippines, was met with mixed responses. Several, several MPs staged a protest. The visit, of course, comes at a time of, in, of heightened tension, military tension in particular, in relation to what China's doing in the South China Sea. Uh, Prime Minister Anthony Albanese says the two countries will unveil a new memorandum of understanding on maritime cooperation. Freedom of navigation is fundamental to our sovereignty, our prosperity, our security and our territorial integrity. Our cooperation is an assertion of our national interest and a recognition of our regional responsibility. Yeah, well, Australia is trying to draw in as many regional neighbours as we can uh, and, and, and trying to say, well, look, we're in, all in this together. How well received was he or, or otherwise, Claire? Yeah, the fact that he was given this platform to address the parliament is significant. Australia in recent years has been taking more steps to give this platform traditionally available to some of our most senior allies offering it up to our closest neighbours in Southeast Asia and the, the Pacific. So that was very significant. Um, obviously, as, as Canvas, Marcus's uh, predecessors have a pretty patchy history on things like human rights. Um, Green, uh, a member of the Greens, Janet Rice, decided um, to point that out and, and uh, held up a sign you know, in human rights abuses. So I wouldn't say he was universally welcomed, but in in the main, it was uh, quite a momentous moment for the relationship. We had had actually visited the Philippines toward the end of last year, and one of the things that's really interesting is how closely Australia is starting to work with the Philippines, you know, uh, to demystify this maritime cooperation. We're, we're basically mm. doing joint exercises with them in the Tennessee, which is obviously of huge strategic interest to us, that we, that to Australia, that China is not allowed to continue to take contested land in that area. So it's, there's a lot of factors at play. Mm. Yes, uh, Senator Janet Rice, a Green senator, held up a sign in the chamber saying stop human rights abuses uh, while the Philippines president spoke this morning. Uh, Labor and coalition senators uh, combined to, cap to censure her for her actions. That's about the most serious statement of disapproval Parliament can make, but Senator Rice was not apologetic. I am proud of what I did today. I am proud of it. And I am proud of the attention that has drawn to the appalling situation in the Philippines. Yes, well, that may well be the case, Claire, but are there bigger fish to fry here as far as Australia is concerned? Uh, honestly, I think, uh, I don't think anyone saw this 
It's actually quite unusual for uh, so one that doesn't know this when it when there's a big address you have the senators and the, the House MPs all crowd into they all crowd the into the into space, the into the reps chamber, don't they? Into yeah. into the house to get. Um, I can't recall a time where a protest took place during a foreign mm. leader's address, but I'm not. sure. It will have shifted the dial, uh, you know, negatively or otherwise on the relationship. And as you said, obviously, Janet was uh, censured by the two major parties, so they're not in alignment. And I don't think there'll be any shift on policy towards I'm saying. No. No, interesting times. All right, Claire, uh, we await the outcome of the weekend and we'll, we'll have a chat after that. It's terrific to have your time this evening. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. You've been listening to a Nightlife podcast. For more great conversations about the issues that impact you, as well as features on travel and food, head to the Nightlife webpage. You'll find it at abc.net.au slash nightlife. You don't need to be a night owl to enjoy the nightlife.